G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. G'day and welcome to today's 2020 podcast, Matt G's with you. And just a reminder before we get underway that you can catch the full program of 2020 every weekday on the Vision Radio Network in the West from 8am, in the Eastern Summer States from 11am. Well, on today's podcast, an enormous issue for our society got a kick along in an unlikely way recently when Justin Bieber's mum was doing the interview rounds when she was asked about falling pregnant at the age of 17, revealingly, she responded like this, I resisted intense pressure from people around me to have an abortion. I knew that I had to do what it took. I just couldn't abort him. It was a brave decision in a far from ideal situation. Dr. Megan Best is a bioethicist and a medical doctor. With a Christian worldview, she's just written a book about ethics in the beginning of human life. It's called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. It examines the beginning of life issues from four angles, biology, theology, philosophy, and pastoral care. She was speaking to Lee Hatcher and started off by answering his question, what was it that drew you in to this whole issue? Well, I was more drawn to it as a bioethicist than as a medical doctor. I have had an interest in ethics and and done a lot of writing on ethics. And I found that after talking at conferences, I would often have women come up to me and ask me about issues around beginning of life. There were issues about uh, IVF and having different tests associated with IVF. There were questions about how contraceptives work and which ones were ethical. I realized that there was a need for more information in the hands of Christians so that they could make good ethical decisions about reproduction and the birth of children. And for a short time, I worked as a locum in a general practitioner's practice, and I came across quite a few women who told me about children they had aborted, in one case, 24 years previously. And she still looked at young people imagining what her own child would have looked like if she had not had an abortion. Lots of women carrying around a burden about a child they had aborted many years previously. Some of them were very angry and said, I was told it was just a few cells, so why do I feel like I murdered my child? deep, deep suffering and I felt that there was a need to get more information out to people to make better choices. How do you reflect on the place that abortion now occupies in our society? Abortion is a huge problem in many ways. With our current statistics, as far as we know, one in three Australian women will have an abortion in their lifetime. And if even, you know, a small percentage of them suffer the way those women did that I saw in general practice, that is a huge problem for the women and, of course, a tragedy for all those lives lost. Do you think abortion is taken as seriously today as it was, say, 50 years ago? I don't think we have ever been as casual about abortion in the history of the church as we are at the moment. 
And I personally, in my own research, think that it's because when reversible contraception became freely available from about the 1960s, people got this idea that having sex and having babies didn't have to go together. And so the general willingness to tolerate an unwanted pregnancy was reduced as a result. And so easily available abortion was the expected corollary of that. And we now see that people feel that they should be able to be as sexually active and uh, not have to put up with a pregnancy they don't want as a result. Whereas in previous years, it was just accepted that if you had sex, there was always a chance you'd get pregnant and have a child. Are there arguments, in your view, for abortion? The pro-choice position, the argument which says that abortion should be freely available to women in serious debate, basically says a woman has a right over her own body. If that's the case, she has the right to undergo abortion for any reason she chooses. The second is that if we stop making abortion easily available, we'll have a rise in the number of backyard abortions which threaten women's health. And the third reason is that abortion is safer than childbirth and so no woman should be obliged to risk her life to save that of another. The argument that a woman has a right over her own body is misguided in that the child being carried by the woman is not part of her body. It's attached to her body, but it has a different genetic makeup. It may have a different blood group, a different gender. There is no reason why her right to control over what happens to her body necessarily trumps the right of a child to life. That only works if you assume the child is not a human being. The argument from backyard abortion is misguided in that if you look at the maternal death rate from abortions, they actually were reduced before abortions became legal in Western countries. And it was associated with the introduction of antibiotics and safer surgical practices. So there is no evidence the death rate will increase if abortion is banned. And a very important study in Chile that was just released showed that illegal abortion is not associated with an increase in maternal mortality. And the third argument, that abortion is safer than childbirth, is also now questioned by important research. And the other thing I'd, I'd like to say is that generally we're not asked to take on special risks for other people. I think that most people would say that parents do have a special obligation to care for their own children. The fact that we insist on things like fathers paying child support show that we expect some things of parents that we don't expect of other people. So I would challenge these classical arguments that support freely available abortion. Megan, what about the question of testing pregnancies for abnormalities with a young baby? Well, this is quite standard now, and a lot of women will have tests to see if their child has a disability without even realising that's what the test is for. Almost all pregnancies nowadays are check to see if a child has Down syndrome. The whole point of having the test is the assumption that if you do find an abnormality, you'll have an abortion so the child won't come to birth. So I think it's very problematic that these tests are done without any explanation in many cases about what they're for. And the first thing the mother knows about the test is that there could be a problem and they're obliged to have further tests to see if there is an abnormality. And it's not always spelt out that this inference that the only thing we can do if we find this abnormality is abort the child. 
we hear in the papers uh, with modern medicine that we no longer will have children being born with Down syndrome. But even though it sounds like a new cure, in fact, it just means we're better at screening and we're more likely to stop them from being born. Because those women face then an almighty decision which they might not have expected to face. This is a very difficult instant, I think, for the parents because generally this will be a child that is wanted, a very much cherished pregnancy in some cases, and there is some evidence that parents who have an abortion because a child has a disability, in fact, find it more difficult than any other situation in which abortion is chosen. I said before you come to this with a Christian worldview, where do you go in the Bible to be informed on this issue of abortion? I think the most important verse is probably in the first chapter of Genesis where we see that we're made in the image of God and because of that all human beings need to be treated with respect and dignity. When we look at when human life begins there is no one verse that really tells us exactly when life begins but we have passages such as Psalm 139 which shows us that we can have a relationship with God while we're in the womb. God was the one who knitted us together. Passages, once again, such as Psalm 139, Job 10. I think it would be arbitrary to say human life starts any time after fertilization because there is no significant milestone at any point between fertilization and this early stage of development where we're told God is aware of us and has plans for us. So that is where you believe life begins, at fertilisation? At fertilisation, definitely. I don't think abortion is always wrong. There will be a small number of cases where a woman is likely to die if a pregnancy continues. A very obvious case would be an ectopic pregnancy where the egg and sperm are joined together and then are deposited in one of the fallopian tubes instead of the uterus of the woman. If you have a problem where there is no chance that the baby is going to get a chance to grow to the point where they can be born and survive and the woman's life is in danger, I think an abortion is justified because if the mother dies, the baby will die anyway and it's better to save one life than none. Should we consider adoption as a better option than abortion? If you have a situation where a woman finds she's pregnant and feels unable to cope with caring for the child, which is in fact the main reason why abortions occur, according to most of the research, we should remember the option of adoption where the life of the child is preserved the child is allowed to come to birth and it is given a chance to grow up with a loving family. So the woman who has a pregnancy and is concerned that she can't do the job of being a mother is able to avoid abortion but still not have the ongoing responsibility of caring for the child. And I think adoption has a bad name because a lot of bad things have happened in adoption and I don't think we want to be careless about how we manage adoption. But there are many, many happy stories about adoption that we don't often hear about in the news and I think it certainly is a very important option we should perhaps think about more often. Do you think it's possible to wind back the rate of abortion in our society? And if so, how? If you look at 
the reason why women have abortions, a lot of them say they didn't feel they were able to cope with looking after a child, they didn't have the resources or they were in a relationship where they were being pressured to have an abortion or they felt their relationship would break up if they had a child. Basically, women feeling they, they didn't really want to have an abortion, but they felt they had no choice. I think the situation now is uh, women have certainly won the right to have an abortion. It's much harder these days, I think, to keep a pregnancy than to get rid of it. And that's because if those around you aren't willing to support you in your pregnancy, how are you going to manage? A single mother's pension only kicks in after a child is born. Uh, if you're kicked out of home because you're pregnant as a young girl and you won't be able to work in late pregnancy... You don't know how to care for yourself, let alone a child. We need to provide more resources for these young women who don't really want to have an abortion but feel they have no choice. And I think if there were more options, places where girls could go and be cared for and learn to look after a child and given assistance to become more independent after the child is born, if they keep the child or to arrange adoption, if, if that's what their choice is. I think we could see the abortion rate go down, certainly. Dr Megan Best, thank you so much for joining us. Megan's the author of the book about to be released, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Megan, thanks so much. You're very welcome. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.